You're listening to the Monica Cade Podcast, a conscious approach to all things health and lifestyle, empowering you to be your best self in each moment. Because the truth is, that's all we ever have. On Mondays, I bring you pep talks for your soul, an episode sharing personal conscious lifestyle tips that'll help you make better choices in all areas of your life. Each Wednesday, you'll get an interview with a game-changing entrepreneur, creative mind, or thought leader, doing what they love and challenging the status quo. These people move me, they're changing the world, and I hope they impact yours. Let's dive into this week's conversation. Welcome to the Monica Cade podcast. My guest today is Amber Dodsvid Raposta. She's a women's circuit training expert, 13 times fitness cover model, all-American track and field athlete, and ex-national champion professional tackle football player, which is pretty incredible and very cool, if you ask me, for a woman. But she's an ordinary chick, to be honest. Well, she is, but she is an annual for why in our conversation. She's also created Built For Her, an online women's athletic training club in 2014 to teach women how to find freedom and a deeper sense of purpose through athletic training and empowerment. She currently lives in Fort Lauderdale in Florida and is married to holistic nutritionist Andrew Riposta. Amber also creates athletic training content for women all over the world with the basis that a woman's appearance must always be secondary to her capabilities. We as women have a tendency to be too focused on our body image and how we're supposed to look by the standards of what the media and the magazines portray. So this conversation is really shining a light on that and showing you what the industry looks like from the inside for someone who's been a fitness model athlete and had a really fascinating personal journey through this. We go all the way back and then take you right to where she is now and you can see the journey and who she's become today. I initially in our conversation thought that I had been following her for about five years, but it turns out it's been over 10 years. I couldn't believe that I was calculating on my hands. So let's dive in right now. Hello, Amber. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Me too. I've been following you for many years. I actually, I think I must have found you on Instagram like I don't know, five years ago, but maybe more when I was training for a bodybuilding competition. And that's when I kind of started following you and your messages. And, and it's been really enjoyable kind of just seeing the changes over the years. So I'm very stoked we can have a chat. Me too. I never, it never gets easier to hear that somebody has been following you for a certain number of years or whatever, because from my end, I'm just kind of living my life and doing the best that I can. But to know that there have been certain eyes and this is something that I hear quite often, but knowing that there have been eyes on me through even like major life changes that never, it's never, it's always humbling. I'll just leave it at that. And it's, um, I'm so, I'm very thankful. Beautiful. Actually, um, you just mentioned something then in terms of having all eyes on you and, and it must be really interesting, you know, cause you do have quite a sizable audience. So I won't jump into that just yet. Cause I do want to talk about uh, social media with you a bit later on, but I thought we could start off with, for our audience, just getting a bit of background around you and, you know, exercise and ha- working out has been such a huge part of your life. And I'm curious to know, was that something that was fostered in your family growing up? So I would say that my family is all very athletic, but nobody has taken it to the level that I have. So I come from like a missionary family. So 
I'm the most American out of all of us. So Mm -hmm. my parents spent close to 30 years overseas in Africa, Central Africa, so the Congo. My sister was there for the majority of her life, came back when she was a sophomore in high school, and my brother was actually born there. He has dual citizenship, and I was only there until I was about six years old. So out of all of us, I'm the most American. So I kind of had the biggest chance to get into things like competitive sports and the whole fitness industry, I think still kind of confuses my parents. <laughs> they're like, what do, you, what do you mean? <laughs> so it's very interesting, but they're very proud. And um, I just have this insane support with my family and the people around me. So um, I started out really young, just playing sports. I wanted to just be one of the boys I'm still kind of that way. And um, so I just really dove headfirst into being an athlete as as much as I could. I remember I started going to the weight room before school at five in the morning, starting uh, before I was even in high school. So I think I was an eighth grader and I was getting up early to train before school. I would go to school all day and then I would have track practice after school. And I did that all the way up until I graduated. And then I went on to run uh, track in college as well. So yeah, so my track career kind of ended up in this crazy fitness industry that even I didn't know existed. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it sounds like it. So do you feel like you were, were you a self-starter? Were you determined to kind of put in those hours because you're obviously getting up at 5am and you're still pretty young and that's not common amongst many teenagers, but you obviously had something driving you. What was that inner fuel? So the thing that I had that I don't think many people do, and granted, I am a self-starter and when I decide to do something, I, I follow through with it. It's the decision that was first and foremost, very important. So I, first of all, I decided that no matter what I was going to do this, but even throughout, you know, my career as an athlete, I, there were plenty of times where I didn't want to have to rise the occasion. I didn't want to race. There was a ton of pressure on me to win and it really freaked me out. And I am not, believe it or not, I'm not a center of attention sort of personality by nature. I had to learn how to manage that. But what I had that most people don't is I had this coach that completely believed in who I was as an athlete and held me to such a standard that the last thing that I was willing to do was disappoint him. So the fact that now I can kind of step on the scene and be a coach figure for some of the women across the country and across the world, really, that I train, that's kind of like me paying it forward. I'm never going to be half the coach that he was, but I think that people really underestimate someone just kind of stepping into your life saying, Hey, I know you have what it takes. All you need to do is show up and you're going to, in the fifth grade, he told me you're going to be a star. And that was like a life speaking sentence that I remember to this day. And it, it changed my whole trajectory because I believed him. It's so powerful having that kind of a support and and then also that belief. I was actually pondering on this the other day. I can't remember the context exactly, but it was a similar thought. I was just wondering like as a child, if a certain 
belief is just I've given to you and that it becomes your absolute, does that, you know, change the trajectory of your life and what you naturally feel you're capable of? Oh, that's right. I remember I was watching something on Instagram and it was something about this father and what he was talking to his young little girl about, about being confident, self-love. And I just thought, wow, I wonder how that girl's life is going to unfold in the future. You know, when she right. has, she knows nothing else, but this, this sense of self-belief and who knows, you know, maybe that's going to change. I'm sure, you know, as we go through life, we have experiences and there's always ups and downs. That's, that's really interesting. It is. And I think that people either rise because of their upbringing and the powerful things that are spoken over them or in spite of it. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that have kind of been dealt a hand that has been very difficult and very hard. A lot of things that they never anticipated and they rise to the top because that's just who they are. And it's at the end of the day, a choice. A lot of people will settle on, oh, this is the hand that I've been dealt. And I just, I'm just not cut out for success or purpose or whatever this, you know, whatever it might be. And there's other people that just say, you know what? I've been through a lot because I'm destined for great things and it's just preparation and they just continue on in spite of it. And I really think that it just boils down to like, what actually are you going to believe about yourself? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so important. And at the end of the day, yeah, we can believe in each other as much as we want, but you have to have a deep sort of revelation about what you're on this planet for. Would you say, I mean, I feel like that's something that as we go through in in life we start to question you know a little bit more at what point for you do you feel you started having that conversation with yourself like you said that you you knew you were I guess going to do something great probably felt that within but did you still have that internal struggle of what direction to go in Oh yeah. And you know what? The truth is, I don't think that that ever goes away. I think that I still, I still have very questioning moments. I still question most of the time when I'm in front of people or in certain circumstances where people are looking to me for answers or even this podcast, I feel nine times out of 10, like I should be the one on the other side than I am. Like, I'm like, I am no different from anybody. I am so the same and so normal. It's not even funny. (laughs) I kind of like look at my life. I'm like, okay, what is going on? And people are like, oh, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And I'm like, you know what? I wish I knew. I just decided that I was going to move forward no matter what. And it has been real, real ugly at times, real ugly. And, and this is what I've loved about you and, and, you know, observing your journey. I found that what you share across social media, you are really authentic. You know, you are sharing not just the highlights and all the, the, you know, beautiful glossy moments, but you also kind of say it like it is. And I think that's probably also why you draw so many different people towards you and have all these questions because, you're not just standing there as a perfect poster, you know, that people can't really relate to. You you are relatable. And I think I know that's what I really love about your message as well. Well, thank you. I, I can say that there's been enough time spent in my life hiding from what the truth is and having to pretend or having to, you know, 
I'll, I'll let people know this, but I couldn't possibly let them know this other part of me. I've spent so much of my life like that, that now that I have sort of just opened the book to who Amber is, I'm just so excited to be honest about everything. Because when you spend your life kind of hiding and, oh, I can't, you know, I was in an, uh, an abusive relationship for a very long time. But during the course of that relationship, I was on eight magazine covers. So here I am miserable in this relationship, but I am telling the world how happy and amazing my life is. You know what I mean? So now that that part of my life is over, I couldn't be more thrilled to just be like, Hey guys, by the way, I had pizza last night. I'm you know, feeling this way. I am not what you think I am. But the, the good thing is, is the industry now is changing and it wants what's real. Like people need, people need what the truth is and they don't even know how much they need it. But that's, I think why people are gravitating more and more towards like social medias like mine. So, you know, this is, I guess, where you are now and, and you've come out of that dark darker times. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what it was like initially to, I guess, how you maybe give us a bit of background, how you got into the modeling side of things, and then who did you become as you went into that? Sure. Yeah. So I started, so I was in um, college on a full athletic scholarship and the relationship that I just mentioned prior uh, that person kind of laid out an ultimatum and was like, you need to give up your track scholarship and you need to move. So um, that was that was it. And I was just, I was a baby. So at this point in time, I was about 19, 20 years old. And I didn't, I hadn't really grown the capability to put my foot down and say no. Mm. Um, and I think that that, some people are born with that. Some people have to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to put my foot down. So mm. And I hadn't learned how to do that yet. So I, I sacrificed and gave up this full athletic scholarship. I was on track to uh, hopefully try out for the Olympic trials. And so all of that just went kind of down the tubes. And so I left school. I was going to um, night school and I was working like 14 hours a day doing hair and makeup for a photography studio. And um, so as a part of being you know, getting people ready for photo shoots and things like that, I would have to just stand in to test the, um, the lighting. And I remember I stood in for this one particular day and the photographer was like, Hey, this is a really good picture. Do you mind if I use this in my portfolio? And I was like, no, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> he used the photo in his portfolio. And I think that he had posted it on some like online management site that he had going and he just attached my email. And the next day I had like my email, my email inbox was completely just overflowing with messages of like, Hey, saw you on so-and-so's, you know, profile. I'd love to, you know, work with you. And I was like, first and foremost, this is super creepy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and with this industry, you really have to be careful. You really have to pick and choose. And so I just kind of sorted through and I found one particular person that seemed fairly trustworthy and I was like, okay, well, might as well just give this a shot. So from that photo shoot, Paul Busetta with Oxygen Magazine saw an image from that photo shoot. And almost immediately, they flew me out to Toronto 
uh, where oxygen was at the time and to do a photo shoot. And from that photo shoot came my first cover, like literally knowing absolutely nothing about what a macronutrient is, what models are supposed to eat or not eat, what fitness modeling is. I had no clue. And so here I am, I was 24 first cover came out. And I think like the night before I had just like casually watched movies and ate cookies and popcorn. Like that's like, no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) and you can tell, you can tell definitely how my physique has evolved over time, but I was in shape because I just loved, I was an athlete. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I love to work out. I love to run. And you know, it wasn't like there was no end goal for me. There was no body I had in mind. I just did what I was made to do and what I love. And uh, that is a huge part of the message of, of now, you know, coaching people. And it's just like, hey, you got to find what allows you to feel better. You will look better, but you need to find what allows you to feel that way. And the results will come. Uh, yeah. So then the it was all kind of a wild crazy ride from there. Um, I booked a bunch of covers after that. I signed with Wilhelmina models. And then I just was in like more mainstream places like Dick's Sporting Goods. I think I'm still on the wall at Kohl's in the shoe department somewhere. So, mm-hmm. so just a, this crazy career. And then I think eight covers into it or 10 covers into it. I, I just completely walked away from the industry because I was so bummed out that when you book jobs as a human being, they don't really care what you are capable of. All they care about is what you look like. And that was a deal breaker for me. So I had spent my whole life being trained to perform. And then I started living my life where I was training for this like image. And it was just so far from who I am. I just couldn't I couldn't like go forward, not another day. So I just, I deleted all my social media. I left. I, my agent wanted to murder me. Um, (laughs) I got tattoos. I cut my hair and yeah. So I just like fell off the face of the planet for about almost two years. And then I came back probably about six years ago, which is probably when you started following me again. That was right, right after that big break that I took. Wow, what a what a journey! Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so so many questions, but I guess one that stands out is how did you have the courage to turn around and say no? I know you mentioned you know it, it was a feeling of it being so far away from you. Did it take some time before you made that decision, or was it kind of something just snapped and you just were like, no, I'm not doing this anymore? Um, it took time, but it took practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it took like, it's really something like exercise that it gets stronger with use. So the more you learn how to, you know, kind of draw the line in the sand and say, Hey, this is for me, but this isn't the better you get at it. Um, and I really started to learn, you know, my mom always said something that has stuck with me my whole life. She was always like you, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks is right for you, you need to follow peace. And so I didn't know what peace felt like. I was like, I'm, I don't know what you mean. So I started to understand what she meant by that. And she always said, you know, when you sense a stillness kind of like internally, and 
it brings you peace to think about a circumstance you need to move in that direction. And then the opposite is true. If you start thinking about a circumstance and it brings you like unease, and we're not talking about anxiety or like, you know, fear. Sometimes you need to face your fear to get to where you're, you need to go. But she was more talking about like, when you know, like in that deep place that something's not right, you, you just need to understand the difference between what peace is and what you know, not feeling peaceful is. And so I just started to learn and just started making like changes a little bit at a time. And it's, uh, it was really just practice, like kind of, you know, not just going along with what everybody else wanted. I was a huge, huge, huge people pleaser. Mm. Yeah. And it's, and it is for so many people. I know that I can relate for me. It's been a practice kind of more as I've gotten older to also just say no to things that don't align with who I am and who I want to be and not then be concerned, you know, like, no, this isn't for me and that's okay. It doesn't need to be anything else. We don't have to always agree to everything. And I think I don't, I'm curious to know, cause it sounds, you are a very determined individual. And I guess for me, when I was growing up, I f- was taught that excuses, like there's no real excuse. And so for me, there was like, I don't just don't make excuses, which then when it came to people asking, do you want to do this? Or can you help me with this? Or can this be done? I was, I trained myself all this time to be like, of course you can get through this and you can achieve this, you know, whether it be in work or all kinds of situations. And then I started noticing that that wasn't necessarily supporting me either, because of course there are some things that can be done and, and it's not always going to be necessarily an excuse. Sometimes it just isn't for you. Right. And sometimes, you know, the wisest thing we can do is create boundaries, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that because you can't, you can't cut yourself into pieces to feed everybody else. Cause at the end of the day, when you need to step forward as a whole person, there's nothing left. And, um, you kind of have to be diligent in protecting the whole person that you are. And sometimes your time, your effort, all of that needs to be preserved for yourself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you you end up running on empty and that's, it's super smart to start creating those boundaries. I have a, you know, a lot of my athletes are, you know, yes, people as far as, you know, their kids, their husbands, you know, and then at the end of the day, there's no time left for them to even get a 20 minute session in for a workout because they're just tapped out. Mm -hmm. So, and that, you know, for people, when they start having health concerns and things like that. It's like, you know, things got to go. You can't say yes to everything. And if people are disappointed, may a, maybe they're not the right people in your life Mm -hmm. and B they'll get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) It's so true. Yes, absolutely. What would you say is the greatest eye-opening experience you took away from that part of your life? I think that the biggest like the biggest takeaway that I had from that experience is that you can redefine yourself as many times as you want to, you know, any given day you can wake up and you can decide that the landscape of your life looks nothing like you want it to, and you can change it. And then the following year, you can look back at that time and it can be a 180 from where you were at. If you just continue making daily decisions to walk in the opposite direction. Mm. So when I learned that I started kind of like realizing that I had underestimated myself. And I think a lot of people spend enough time underestimating themselves and 
you know, once you kind of see over time what you've been capable of and how how far you've gotten from where you started, it's just, it's crazy. So I think that that was like the biggest thing that I took away from that time was if at any point I don't like, and granted, not, you're not going to be super thrilled with your life every single second of the day. There are struggles, there's real things that you have to work through. But when you're looking in like, say a topic of, you know, abuse or people going to jobs that they absolutely hate every single day, it's like every one of us has the power to kind of grab a hold of ourselves and say, all right, either either you like, either you don't like it and you don't change it, then no more complaining. You just have to deal or you don't like it. You change it and you just start making, taking action to make it look different every single day. And I think that's what I learned. And then, you know, you don't feel stuck that way. You don't feel, I felt so, so paralyzed very, very, for a very long time in my life. Did you ever feel that you would be letting people down if you made the decision to walk away as well? Oh yeah. Yep. And I did, I did let people down Mm -hmm. and that kind of, I have this sort of like just bury your head in the sand sand mentality and kind of compartmentalize your choices from people's reactions where it's like, this is my choice. I'm moving forward in this direction. People are not going to be super thrilled with this, but at the end of the day, nobody else is living our lives. <laughs> and I had to remind myself of that. And I had to go through, you know, enough times too, where I ignored what I thought And I just went along with what everyone else thought was best for me. And then I had to learn how wrong they were to realize that I needed to start making my own choices because if I kept on making everyone else's, you know, they don't, they were never panning out the way that I thought. That's really insightful. And I think it's really supportive for our listeners because I know there will be a lot of people that are at those crossroads and are wanting to make a change, but are so concerned about, oh, letting all these people around them down. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's going to really support some of our listeners. I'd like to just chat a little bit about body image and social media. And Mm -hmm. I mentioned in the beginning that, you know, you do have a sizable social media following and I love that you are using it for good and inspiring people. And in fact, (laughs) I have had so many chuckles at your recent, uh, some of your recent posts, especially when you do your little body comparison images and the comments that you write, they're funny and, but also insightful, you know, and there was one particular one that you took, um, you know, doing kind of a side on pose and sticking your booty out a bit. And I loved how you said something along the lines of like, who even invented this pose? Like, why does it look good or something like that? And I laughed so hard because it is kind of when you make light of the situation rather than taking these things so seriously. It's like, why do we (laughs) do these poses and why is that recognized or seen in a particular light? Like why do people look at that and go, oh wow, I look so great. (laughs) It makes no sense. (laughs) I know it's so silly. What have you found uh, in your community has been the response since you've been showing such a contrast to 
the different images? You know, I think that people are so relieved. Mm. And the reason that I started doing that was, you know, I'm in the fitness industry, social media influencer, whatever you want to call it. And I was scrolling through Instagram, looking at some of these girls with like millions of followers. And I was looking at them and then I was looking at my feed and then I was looking at their feed and then I was looking at mine. And I was like, well, clearly if I want to be more successful and more, get more followers and blah, 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 I need to try to be more like this. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day I sat down and I was like, all right, I'm going to try, I'm going to take one of these selfies, blah, blah, blah. And it was such a disgrace. It was such an embarrassment. <laughs> I was like, these are the most awful pictures I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, at that point in time, something broke. And I was like, this is so ridiculous that I've A, spent this much time trying to be something that is just impossible. And, and in that moment, I realized that it had so messed with my head that people out there that are all across social media channels have to be feeling the same thing. So in that moment, I literally just did, I chose the opposite. I was like, you know what? I give up. I am not going to try this anymore. I'm just going to go the other direction. And so I just did a 180 and I was like, you know what? I rolled my, uh, leggings down and I just let my stomach hang out. And I was like, I don't care. I really just don't care. Mm. So, and it was in that moment that people were like, A, this is exactly what I needed to see. I'm so sick of thinking that, you know, people that I follow on social media are, you know, better than me because they always look like they're in amazing shape and all of this stuff. And, and I think that the, what makes me upset about this situation with social media influencers is that they aren't taking the influence they have over people's lives seriously. Mm. And they're underestimating the impact that they're having. Like a lot of times these people have more impact on lives than other people's spouses, than their friends, because it is filtered and it is controlled. So that I think people that are, you know, posting things on social media that have these large followings, they need to get that. It's like, Hey, I know that you want to get as many likes as possible and you want your following to grow and all of this, but like you have people's lives in your hands right now. Mm -hmm. And I started to really kind of understand the magnitude. And again, all this stuff like comes with age and experience. And like, I've been doing this for a very long time, but you know, if I could get all the social media influencers that are younger and starting to learn the things that I've learned, I would just like to just tell them, Hey, you think that this social media is about you and it's not, it's about everybody else. So start posting that way and care about who you're affecting. And I just, I hope that that's where the industry starts to go, whether or not it will, I have no idea. Mm. Do you think they were would possibly ever be a point in time in the future where we're not so focused as a society on our self-worth being tied to how we look? You know, I think that I want to say yes, but I think that with social media, it's so visual Mm. 
Mm. Um, and it gives us such access immediately that it would be a very, very hard thing to take people away from imagery. I mean, our world has been building and, you know, lives and careers and billions and billions and billions of dollars on how things appear. So I think that with the millennials though, I do think that they are less apt to be fooled and they are more, they're very, um, straightforward, which I love that. And they're Mm -hmm. very open and upfront about demanding what's real. And I think that what we see will start to change, but I think that it will always be, you know, what we see, it's just a matter of how real people are willing, willing to get with it. Well, thank you for, you know, taking a stand towards that and, you know, sharing insights on fitness and body and in the way that you do, because it so helps. And, and I know, I guess as well, because I have that also feeling of remembering all those years ago when I was training for a bodybuilding competition. And I remember you were such an inspiration for me at that time as well. And, but also I didn't have that knowledge then that I also have now having gone through all those different processes about how our bodies change and they don't always look the same and, and how our emotions and the things that we're going through in our life impact the way our body looks and to not be so goddamn hard on ourselves, you know, right. it's, it's just to, we're more than just a body, all of us. And, 100%. and so I think, you know, the work that you are doing is so supportive to everyone out there. So thank you. I appreciate that. It's, you know, it's interesting when you talk about like why people are alive and purpose. And I'm, I'm a huge believer in, you know, people having things that, that they can specifically speak to that will carry weight and create change. And a lot of the stuff that I post in all realness is just as much for myself to remind myself that Mm -hmm. I don't have to be what everyone else is putting out there and that it's okay. And it's, it sets me free from all of that, like worrying. Cause when you put the truth out there, it really does just kind of release you from worrying about what anybody else is doing. You're like, listen, my truth is out there and I am good with that. Mm. And, uh, it's, it's like a very liberating feeling. And I would just, I wish that everybody could just kind of whatever they feel that they're putting on. I just wish they could just take all that off and just live their lives and be exactly who they are because that it's, it's a great, great, great feeling. Before we wrap up our interview, I do want to talk about Built For Her, your athletic training program that's online. Now, what I really loved about this is how you also want to encourage a deeper sense of purpose through this and empowerment. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and why this program is different to others? Sure. So I created, um, built for her. It lives on builtforher.com and it's kind of a site that you can go there and download. There's a few different program options. I have some two week options, some four week options. Once you download a PDF, it's, you know, nutrition, uh, guidelines, a training plan. But what that does is it gives you access to a Facebook group of all these women that have trained with me in the past. And I like to bring people together so they can just kind of talk mm-hmm. about what they're facing, what's going on, um, how their workout was that day. And, you know, it's, it's actually been such an amazing thing to watch how women really gravitate towards each other. And then, you know, periodically I'll have an event where I invite all of my athletes that have downloaded one of these programs to meet in person. 
And so the craziest thing that I've ever seen is watching women that I've never met each other in real life finally come together, meet in person and the friendships that they've built, they're like inseparable. We're talking like two years later. Mm -hmm. So it's just such an amazing tool. And, you know, I create all of my downloads with the basis that how you look should never come before who you are. And a lot of times we want to download training programs because we want to look a certain way, but that's not a big enough why. Because if you have abs or, you know, a great physique and your body mass is super lean and you feel great, that's so temporary because once something real happens in your life, if you lose your job or you're, you know, someone in your family passes away, you quickly realize that when you look in the mirror and you have a six pack, it doesn't make you feel any better about what's actually happening in your life. So mm-hmm. I like to give people tools to help them get a bigger sense of why their training is important. I like to you know, have conversations about where some of their habits stem from so that we can go to the root of the issue, uh, deal with it. And then moving forward, they have a much better time seeing results because you know, they're, they're not hung up on past issues. You know, I deal with this a lot with competitors and things like that, but if your why is not big enough, your motivation is always going to be temporary. And with temporary motivation, you know, we're all motivated sometimes and not in others, but if your why isn't as big as you need it to be, you're always going to get derailed and have to start over. So I like to give people the tools of how to stop starting over. That comes to also in play with like very balanced nutrition, very balanced um, training plans so that they're not overworked and underfueled. And yeah, so it's been like a huge passion of mine to just kind of get people one step closer. I think that a lot of women specifically are kind of self-destructing and self-sabotaging and hiding behind bad habits as far as nutrition and training, and it's keeping them from what they're supposed to actually be doing. So I like to bring them into a place of feeling more confident so they can step into more opportunity and ultimately, you know, just gain a happier, happier life with more sense of who they are. You know, I love that because I think our society has a thing where exercise and nutrition is often used as like a means to an end, you know, whereas I feel like you're really bringing the love back to it. It's like, take away the stuff that, you know, you've taught yourself to believe over time or you've picked up along the way and, you know, strip that away and, you know, find your sense of self, start moving your body. And and when you do that from a, a space of not having to need it, like some sort of a result, not that the need isn't there, like naturally your body is in a relaxed state when you're doing this. So you're going to have better results anyway. Absolutely. And that is so absolutely true. And, you know, even when it comes to my own training, you know, people they're like, oh, you must spend hours in the gym. I'm like, no, because there are more important things in my life than being at the gym. Mm -hmm. I have a relationship that I'm extremely invested in. I have a happy marriage because we go to the gym, we get our workouts done, but we spend time together. That's a priority for me. My job is a priority for me. So I'm not going to spend hours in the gym. The gym needs to be kept in the place where it belongs. And there are places, there's a time for a longer workout when you're there to clear your head and you're just in the swing of things and you're enjoying yourself. Mm. But if you have other things that are your priority, get in, get your work done and get out. 
and move on, do other things, you know? And so I find that from that place, like a lot of times my circuits are 25 minutes long and I'm out of there. Mm. And I do that. I take two full, full days off a week. And so that's not a lot of time in the gym at all. Mm. And I eat pretty much what I want with a lot of knowledge, obviously, of where to place things nutrient-wise. But yeah, no, I don't let the gym run my life. And I don't think that other people should either. Mm. It's just knowing how to do it efficiently. Amazing. <laughs> that was such a great point. I feel like <laughs> a great highlight to finish on there. But before we finish up, I've got some signature questions that I ask all my guests. Of course. So they're fun. So the first one is sunset or sunrise and why? Sunset for sure, because I'm a zombie in the morning. <laughs> oh, awesome. Are you, are you a morning person though? Do you, cause do you get up and train early or does it kind of depend on the day and things no, like that? I'm like a ease into the day sort of person. So yeah. I get up and I'm fine in the morning, but I like to like read and kind of like have some quiet time. And then I work out kind of in the early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you weren't in your current career, what would you like to attempt? You know, before I got into fitness, I worked on teeth for like nine years and I absolutely loved it. So I would just oh, go wow. back. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> the final one, if you could share a piece of wisdom that you've been passed down or something, you know, that you live by that supported you. Uh, so the whole tagline for my business actually is, um, from a Bible verse actually that says, um, consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete, mature and lacking nothing. Very beautiful and so powerful. Thank you. It's, it's found in James verse one, uh, or chapter one, verse two, and goes all the way down through four. If you guys are looking for it. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Everyone can go on and take a proper read. Well, Amber, our time has come to an end, sadly. (laughs) So many things I could talk to you about, but thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad this worked out and I'm excited uh, to get this out there and have my people and your people give it a listen. It'll be great. Thanks again. Anytime. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Amber. I know you loved it because you're still listening right now. I loved it too. And I had so many more questions about we ran out of time. I'd just like to ask you to share this episode with a female friend or a female you know in your life that really deserves to hear this episode and it will support them to bring out their best as well. Do the things that make you feel good and alive and remember to live a life of peace. That's one great takeaway I took away from my conversation with Amber. If it costs you your peace, it's way too expensive. Have a great week and I'll catch you next week.